Afroverdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa. Hey everyone, welcome to the Afroverdict podcast with your host Victor Anakin. Today, on the 4th of October, the world observes World Animal Day to remind people of the care and love we should give to the creatures we share the planet with. However, given the opportunity, animals can prove to take great care of people too. African rats, for example, have been used for decades to get rid of mines in sub-Saharan Africa. Now let's welcome Ms. Lily Shalom, communications manager at Apopo, a Tanzania-based company that uses rats to get rid of landmines. Her and I will talk about these intelligent animals and get into the details of their life-saving activities. Ms. Shalom, welcome to Afroverdict. It's a pleasure to have you with us here today. Thanks for joining. Now, take us back right to the very beginning and explain how did this idea of using the African giant pouch rat for detecting landmines first come about? So our founder or the guy who came up with the ideas is a man named Bart Wachens. He's um, a Belgian and he was studying at the University of Antwerp um, and he was looking specifically at the landmine problem in sub-Saharan Africa. Now, he used to keep pet rats as a kid. And he was trying to um, develop a new product for more cost-efficient uh, demining. Now, he <laughs> he came across an article that um, had gerbils or some kind of rodent that was used in a lab to detect explosives using their sense of smell. So when he read this, he thought immediately back to his sort of childhood friends and thought, why not rats? And this was in 1997, so just over 25 years ago. And that's really how Apopo began. He pitched it to his best friend, our CEO, Christoph Cox, and his professor at the time at the university. And, and it, that's how it started. All right. Thanks a lot. What is special about the African giant pouch rat? And what makes this animal so good at locating landmines? So the African giant pouch rat is a very intelligent creature. <laughs> so they're easily trained. They're very sociable um, and they're easy to care for. Uh, they're quite resistant to tropical disease. And I think most importantly, they're too light to set off the landmines. So it's perfectly safe for them to be on the minefields um, using their noses to to detect explosives. Now, for the next question, could you perhaps walk our listeners through this training process of an African giant pouch rat, which eventually turns into a professional mine detector? We have a number of very nurturing and gentle mothers in our breeding center here at Apopo. The first thing that we do when we need um, to to get new rats for, for training, for perhaps to send out to different programs, we would bring in wild rats that would get trapped in different areas around Morogoro here in Tanzania. And we'd bring them to our breeding center and pair them with these moms. So we give the female rat some options um, and she can decide what she wants to go for. Once, um, once she's pregnant, then we can release the male back to where they came from and she will continue um She's pretty much, she knows what she needs to do as a mom. So once the babies are born, uh, we're very careful to have a very quiet and serene environment for them. We care for her because she's going to need extra food and, and that kind of thing. Um, just make sure that all of her needs are met, the kennels are clean. And then when the pups are about four to five weeks old, they start to open their eyes. 
Um, once they're opening their eyes, we then um, start to the first stage of training, which is basically socialization. So they need to get used to human um, humans, different humans. Uh, they need to get used to our sounds, um, the noises that are associated with us, the smells that they're going to be exposed to. Um, but mostly it just means we play with the baby rats. <laughs> and then um, the next stage of training, when they're about 10 weeks old, um, this is also around the time that we wean them from their mothers, and then they would move as siblings into their own um, home cage, um, is to begin clicker training. So we use clicker training to train all of our rats. We, <laughs> It's nothing that Apopo came up with. It's been around for about 100 years. But it's uh, we use positive reinforcement. So we're teaching the baby rats to look for a target smell. In this case, it's TNT. Um, and we reward them for, for doing the correct action when they find it. So the very first stage of clicker training, we have a small soil floor, well, soil table, we call it. It's just a small table, maybe one meter by one meter, uh, filled with soil. And we let the baby rats explore. So once they're busy exploring, we click and then we feed them. And then we let them explore again. Um, and then we click and we feed them. And very soon they start to associate the sound of the clicker with a food reward. Then we introduce a tea egg, which is, um, it's a tea infuser, uh, something that maybe um, grandparents used in the past before tea bags. So it's like a metal egg with holes in the bottom. And we put a little bit of tea and tea inside and we put it on the table. Now the rats are naturally curious. And so they go over there and check it out. And when the, ba with the, when the baby rat puts their paws on this tea egg, they hear a click and they come and get a food reward. Um, soon enough, they start to look for that smell, uh, quite <laughs> focused for that smell because it means food. And that's one of their main motivations. So then we expand to a larger table. They also start to wear a harness because um, on a real minefield, they will be attached to a line between two handlers on either side of a box. Um, so they have to be comfortable wearing a little harness that's attached to a rope and they can go up and down systematically. Um, then we introduce a lot of tea eggs. Uh, some of them have TNT and some of them don't. And we only reward the rats when they go to the uh, tea eggs that have TNT. Then we start to bury them uh, under the surface. Um, so they kind of are digging them up because they're actually a lot like puppies. If they could, they would pick them up and take them to their handlers. But um, once they're scratching at that tea egg that contains TNT, they hear a click and they get a reward. And this is teaching them how to indicate to us that they found something. So in a real minefield, that's what the handlers are looking for when, to indicate that the rat has found a landmine or another, some other explosives. Um, then... Uh, we start to give them a larger area uh, where it's a more, um, how do you say, like it's 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 more realistic. So there's a, a box, say, 10 meters by 10 meters, and there are maybe six positive tea eggs and eight negative tea eggs buried under the ground. Um, and the rats go along the line between the handlers in one direction, 
Then the handlers take half a meter step forwards and the rat comes back along that same line to, to the other side. And then they take half a meter step and then it goes across again. And in this way, the rat is systematically checking every single inch of a box. And it, um, whenever they find a, a tea egg that contains TNT, they will hear a click and they can come and get a reward. Um, at this point in the early stages of their training, the reward is, <laughs> is, a, is given to them in a syringe. And it's usually a mixture of banana and avocado mixed in with some crushed rodent pellets. And they love it. <laughs> so then, um, the next stage after this, they go out to our training minefield. And this is actually the first time that they're um, looking for real landmines. So we have a 24 hectare field that was kindly set up for us by our partner here in Tanzania, the Sokoina University of Agriculture. Um, they gave us this piece of land and then the Tanzanian People's Defense Forces um, loaned us 1,500 landmines of different types to train the rats on. So these are buried in various boxes. And the rats initially start with a box of about three meters by 20 meters, and they're searching it systematically, um, looking for landmines. Every time they find one, if they scratch at the ground, they hear a click, they get a food reward, and then the boxes get gradually bigger and bigger to the point where they're covering two boxes of 100 square meters in under 30 minutes because the i guess the the main advantage of using um the hero rats is what we call them um is that they're speeding up finding the landmines um so they can search an area the size of a tennis court and uh, cover all of that in about 30 minutes it would take you Miner with a detector up to four days, depending on how much scrap metal is lying around that will set off the metal detector. They have to investigate. Now, the rats, they ignore all the scrap metal. They only go for the smell of explosives, so they're much more efficient. And between each stage, sorry, between each stage of their training, they are tested before they can continue to the next stage. So um, they're the pass rate is basically 100%. If they are not 100% accurate, they can't continue to the next stage of their training. And when the rats graduate, they are 100% accurate at finding a mine. We have never missed a mine um, using rats in the last 25 years in operations. So even though you said that this process involves methods that have been with us for quite some time, I can imagine that it still took quite a bit of trial and error to develop it. So how was this training curriculum for rats developed? I think it took some time to get it to where it is now. And I I feel like uh, possibly there's still tweaks that are ongoing um, because the rats are really smart. So we have to be smarter than them. <laughs> uh, so initially, instead of um, just a simple um, rope or line between uh, two peep the boots of two people. There was a, a sort of a, a metal contraption that looked that looked like it had a wheel on either side that would be rolled across that that box, and the rat would be attached to that. So obviously, that was one of the sort of initial designs that then got thrown out. Um, but I, I, you know, the just 
the the team is always looking for ways to make the rats more efficient, um, get them through their training faster, help them to learn better, that kind of thing. So I think it's it's still an, an ongoing process, although what we have now is very trialed and tested and works really well. Um, it's more just to try and tweak the little things to, to make them even better. Could you perhaps share some of the results of the practical application of your work? How many minefields, for example, have been cleared in Africa? I think in terms of minefields, it's a little bit difficult to say um, because each country has their own way of mapping these minefields out. Um, we do have a number on our website. Hold on one second. Let me just bring it up. Mm. So just in Africa, uh, I would have to look that up for you. But I guess one of the main successes that comes to mind is Mozambique. And uh, that was the first country that we uh, went to with the rats and began operations. So we were a full mine action operator in Mozambique. Um, and we were there until 2015 which is when Mozambique was declared mine-free. Of course, there were other organizations that were there at the same time and doing what we do, but without rats. Um, and this is one of the things that we're most proud of, I would say. From Mozambique, we moved to Angola. And from Angola, we then went to Cambodia, but that's outside of Africa. And now we also have a program in Zimbabwe, but it doesn't use rats because... Um, of that particular situation, it's it's just it's as fast to use a metal detector as it is to use a rat because of the contamination levels are so high. Now in Mozambique, we did stay on to do some residual tasks. Um, there was a, a bunker that exploded, an ammunition bunker that exploded, and spread all kinds of stuff around a huge area in Malhazin. So we were. Um, we were asked to clear that out. Um, but, you know, obviously after it was declared mine-free, there was no more uh, minefields for us to work on. So we started looking elsewhere. For those of you that have just tuned in, this is your host, Victor Anakin, and you're listening to Afro Verdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa. Now that we've explored how the rats are trained and their modus operandi of getting rid of landmines, Let's see what else can the African giant pouched rats do to help humans. Ms. Shalom, could you please share with our listeners how else are the abilities of this animal used? And I mean the rats, of course. <laughs> so we also use the African giant pouched rat to detect tuberculosis, which is um, the second most deadly infectious disease in the world after COVID. Um, tuberculosis um, is is a problem here in Tanzania. It's also a problem in Mozambique and in uh, Ethiopia, which are the three countries that we have a program in. Um, because we were based in Tanzania already from a very early stage, they, um, it, you know, once the WHO declared the 30 top uh, high TB burden countries of the world. Um, I guess, you know, our founder wanted to do something about that. And together as a team, they came up with a plan to kind of try this out using the rats. So 
um, we have a, a training center here that also trains a different set of rats for tuberculosis detection. Now, this is a little uh, a little different to the mine mine detection because the rats are um, there. It's it's a research project, but it's also um, finding real patients. The the rats the the training process is very similar to the landmine detection except that the the rats would now when they're when they're learning their target scent they would then be introduced to the smell of tuberculosis so we have partner clinics all around the countries that we work in so in Tanzania the initially only four clinics wanted to partner with us and these clinics basically agreed to um, send us a sample whenever they suspected a person to have TB. Now they would ask that person to um, cough up a sputum sample uh, two times. One they would test themselves and one we would test. So all of the samples that the clinics uh, find TB in and confirm that the patient is TB positive are our control samples to train the rats on. So the rats um, whenever the rat encounters a TB sample, we train them to hold their nose in in the hole over the um, sample for three seconds. So we have a sort of, we call it a line cage. It's a metal cage with 10 holes underneath um, where we can put in a bar that has 10 sputum samples. Now we heat and activate them first. So we put them in an autoclave for 30 minutes at 100 degrees Celsius, so that um, it's no longer infectious. And then we offer them to the rats for them to smell. So the rat will um, systematically, so number one to number 10, put their nose over the hole. If they think it's TB, they have to keep their nose in the hole for three seconds, and then they will hear a click and they come and get a reward. Um, in this way, we found that the rats are able to detect. Um, so here in, in most of sub-Saharan Africa, the clinics use microscopy to um, diagnose TB. Now, microscopy has its limitations. It's not um, it's not 100% accurate. It's actually 20 to 60% accurate. That's the best that you're going to get. So in places like Tanzania, you have a 50-50 chance that the clinic is going to miss it. Um, so using the rats, we are finding an additional 40% of cases for our partner clinics um, that went undiagnosed before, which is, um, yeah, it's great. <laughs> it just means that all those patients that um, the clinics were not able to diagnose are then given um, their, their treatment, which is subsidized by the government and means that they can yeah, get on treatment that they weren't able to access before and could continue to spread the disease. So one person with active TB um, can spread it to up to 15 people a year, according to the World Health Organization. So uh, in order to stop the spread of the disease, we need to um, diagnose people as quickly as possible, get them on treatment to cure them so that they don't pass it on to their loved ones. Um, that's our TB detection project. We also have um, a couple of other projects that we're looking into using the rats for. One of them is for search and rescue. Um, so 
Um, Turkish organization Gea had reached out to us a few years back, said this is made up of um, many volunteer people who just volunteered for search and rescue, and they have a, a huge training site in Turkey. But they, their limitation is being able to see what's down there, and it's really critical to get people out as quickly as possible after, for example, there's been an earthquake and a building has collapsed. Um, those first 24 hours are really, really critical. So they, you know, we came together and started looking at how could we get the rats into a building to look for survivors. Um, and and that's what we're training a group of rats here in Tanzania for. So they're learning to locate um, a human amongst a lot of rubble. <laughs> um, for now, it's it's sort of just uh a lot of stuff that's thrown into a building but they have to search various rooms for a person who then keeps moving now because the rats once they go under we won't be able to see them we are teaching these rats to indicate in a slightly different way because if they would scratch we wouldn't be able to see that so um they are, they wear um a sort of vest and um attached to that vest there's a small ball that when they pull it in this action like pull it away from themselves with their with their front paws they just pull that um it will trigger a micro switch and for now it just goes beep but it it's able to tell us that they found something and f- later on we would be able to couple that with maybe a smart backpack that would allow them to record video, maybe give some kind of um, location to where they are, um, have a speaker and a microphone so that we can communicate with the survivor that they found and that kind of thing. And then we also teach them once they've found somebody that when we call them back, they need to come back to base. So <laughs> that's another project that we're doing with the rats. And um Another project is wildlife detection. So again, a number of years back, Endangered Wildlife Trust of South Africa came to us and said, can your rats detect pangolins? Now pangolins are the only scaly mammal and they're um, they're actually the most trafficked mammal in the world. There's four species that are indigenous to Africa and there's four species that are indigenous to Asia. Um, now, the Asian ones are under uh, a lot of pressure because they are basically harvesting them for their scales. Um, but also in some countries, it, it's considered a delicacy to eat them. So we were looking at, can the rats detect pangolin scales? The answer was yes. Then um, the next step was, can the rats detect pangolin scales if they're hidden amongst some of the common masking items that are that are generally found when they find um, uh, trafficked um, pangolins? Things like, you know, anything from coffee to soap to um, <laughs> beans to anything. And it was, you know, the challenge was if we are offering, if it's hidden amongst items that are edible will the rat still do what they're supposed to do and yes they do <laughs> so this is another project and to be honest the, the 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 opportunities are are endless because the rats are really really smart they have an amazing sense of smell and 
we're confident that we can train them to smell anything that has a distinct smell. It just all comes down to funding and a need for them in the real world scenario. Like police dogs, one might call the African rats that you train service animals. So in this regard, how do they then spend their time off duty? Uh, Do they have any recreation facilities in place? Do they go on vacation? (laughs) So, um, yes, they have exactly the same vacations we do. So um, they don't work on public holidays. They don't work on weekends. (laughs) This is only in training. When they're out on the minefield, they would have the same schedule as their human um, counterparts. So... Um, generally speaking, they would work six days a week and have one day off, and it would be on a rotation of three weeks on, one week off. But for the rats here in training in Tanzania, we just follow the same schedule basically as everyone else. They work Monday to Friday. However, their timings are a little different because the African giant pouch rat is nocturnal, which means they're built for the night and um, they don't do very well in the heat. So we try and train them in the very early hours of the morning or in shaded, um, cool places. They also get scheduled time in our play cages, which is um, just large enclosures that contain different elements like a running wheel, um, hanging ropes, um, branches to climb. There's lots of of dirt for them to dig in if that's something that they're interested in. Um, They would have, you know, things to climb on, um, sort of leaves to kind of rummage in and different surfaces that they can walk on, just stuff for them to, it's kind of a cross between a gym and a playground. (laughs) And, uh, and then we have in their um, in their home cages, they have um, a sort of a clay pot that is, uh, you know, quite a, a cooling clay pot. And we have lots of wood chippings as bedding um, and space for them to move around and explore. Sometimes it's two stories so they can climb up uh, onto a different level, come back down. We have um, a wooden tripod just made out of um unscented natural woods for them to chew on and to scratch just to keep their teeth healthy and trim because they they always their nails their nails and their teeth are always growing we have weekly checks with um a vet who comes in to see them and just make sure everyone's um growing well and 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 thriving um we have an animal welfare officer here in, in Tanzania who, who does daily checks as well. And, uh, and we weigh the rats every morning to make sure that they're growing well, um, not putting on too much weight, not uh, basically the same as a baby, staying within those two lines that uh, mark um, large or too light, too heavy or too light, try and keep them in between and just finding a good balance for them. So. We also have some chew toys that we recently, I guess, uh, was was it last year? Somebody had brought them um, from the U.S. And we're looking at making um, something similar but bigger uh, for our rats because they're actually quite big. They look like a, a small cat. <laughs> um, and, yeah, we, we try and, and keep them stimulated, but... Um, 
also have a lot of quiet time in their kennels. There's um, there's fans and thermometers to keep control the temperature in Cambodia. It gets even hotter, so we make sure that they have um, air conditioning. Um, so the vehicles are air conditioned. We just try and keep them um, cool and comfortable when they're in their off times, basically. <laughs> and is the retirement age for the giant pouch red? Yes, we do have a retirement age, which is usually between the age of, um, I would say, anywhere from five to seven. Um, the hero rats, as long as they're, you know, waking up and eager to go to work and greeting us happily in the morning, um, as long as they're healthy and they're not losing weight, they're not sick, they don't have any other sort of underlying issues, as long as they're, you know, just content to to continue working with us, we we would continue working with them. But if they show signs of slowing down, of aging, of, uh, you know, starting to get some ailments, then we would retire them um, to our retirement kennels. So every program has a retirement kennel and their cages are um, bigger. They have um, more to offer them because obviously they're not going out to the training minefield. They're not... Um, participating in in sort of any of the trainings but they still get the same care and balanced diet and um everything else um health care veterinary checks that the other rats do and they would just continue to live out their days with us and what about so-called red celebrities if i can call them that were there any red veterans that became famous the main rat that comes to mind is magawa so magawa was born here in Tanzania and he went through his training with um, determination and speed and he was he graduated top of his class and was deployed to Cambodia so he spent his whole career in Cambodia um, I believe he was I'm trying to think now I think he was Uh, around eight years old, seven years old when he retired, and then eight years old when he passed away. But just be- before that, probably around the age of of six, he was rewarded awarded the uh, PDSA gold medal by uh, a British NGO that uh, wanted to just honor him for his great work, for the lives that he had saved, for the land that he had helped to clear and return to local communities for them to begin to rebuild their lives and their livelihoods. And he also won a Guinness World Record, I believe, for the the most landmines found during the career of a hero rat. <laughs> um, yeah. So he's he's definitely our most our biggest ambassador to date. And um it's sad that he's no longer with us, but um yeah <laughs> he was a good rat all right may his little soul rest in peace what other animals apart from the traditionally used dogs and giant pouch rats could also have the potential to help detect dangerous substances well <laughs> i don't know uh perhaps a meerkat they have an excellent sense of smell too i i guess any any animal that has a good sense of smell that is intelligent and willing to learn and if we can figure out what reward works for them i'm pretty sure they could be trained i do know that there've been 
uh, elephants who have been trained to detect explosives. Um, there have been, um, I think it was bees as well that were trained to detect things. There's plenty of animals that have been used for scent detection around the world for various different things um, besides dogs and rats. <laughs> And that was a Popo's Lily Shalom who walked us through the life of an African giant pouch rat and explained how they locate and get rid of landmines as well as detect tuberculosis. I mean, pretty soon we'll be able to see rats in rescue missions as well. And I think this is a great example actually of how humans and animals work together to make the planet a safer place for all living beings. Dear listeners, thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Keep in mind that you can always listen to the Effort Verdict podcast on various platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, Deezer, Castbox, Podcast Addict, as well as Afripods. Check out our Sputnik Africa Telegram channel, TikTok account, as well as other socials to always stay up to date on local and global events. For quick access to great stories and updates from the continent and around the globe, make sure to download the Sputnik Africa application. My warmest regards and nicest treats to your pets if you have any. And on that note, you'll hear from me later this week. Afro Verdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa.